Welcome to the Grace Monroe Podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Monroe, Georgia, that exists to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. For more information about our church, visit graceformonroe.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this week's message. about the ways that God has restored my life, the equipped piece is foundational for me. Um, I wasn't raised in church, and so I came to know Jesus through friends at school and seeing their families. I really wanted to start following Him when I was 15 years old. And so I knew nothing. I didn't know Bible stories. I didn't know how you did this. All I knew is that I was hungry to know God and want to know what it looked like to walk with him. And so I opened up the Bible just on my own. And I can still remember sitting by the pool at 15 years old and reading Colossians for the first time front to back and just feeling like I was drinking fresh water for the first time ever. And just for someone dying of thirst, I was like, this is so true. This is so true. This, this is me. I once was alienated from God and now I've been brought close and he is holding all things together and he is in all things. It just felt so true and real and like I was coming alive for the first time and was so hungry for the word. And it satisfied me to read that and learn. And then I just started asking tons of questions and going to churches and leaning heavily on people who seemed to know Jesus and uh, it was the beginning of everything. It helped me begin God's restoration story in my life. Um, later, fast forward, you know, 10 years down the road, and I'm now a wife and a mom and in full-time ministry, and we have bills and responsibilities, and life's hard, and I still have a lot of questions, and I don't really know how to do it. I don't know how to be a wife and a woman and a person in a way that honors Jesus in the best way. And I'm still reading the Bible occasionally, um, but it's not as alive as it used to be. And I don't know how to access all these things that I know are true about the kingdom and about following Christ, but I just don't know how to get there. And what I wanted most of all was access to communication and guidance from God of how to do life. Like, how do I do this today? and felt really stuck, honestly. And we went, Brian and I went to a conference with Young Life, which is the ministry that we were working for at the time. And one of the speakers at the conference had a little journal that was read through the Bible in a year, chronologically. They gave them out to everybody at the conference and he spoke and it was, it was good. Um, but in that place of just desperation and knowing I needed something, I was like, I'll do this. You know, I've read the Bible in these 10 years of following Christ, but I haven't you know, done it daily, gone through the whole Bible. It's like, I'll do this. It's just something to do and it can't hurt, you know. So began that year long process of reading every day and writing what stuck out to me, why I thought God included that in the Bible, what I thought he was trying to say. And it didn't feel magical. It didn't have any radical change at the time. But what I realized is it was laying the foundational piece for me to begin to know how God speaks what he's like, who he is in his written word. And what began in my life in the years after that full year was the most radical transformation that I had experienced in my life, second only to coming to know Christ initially. And the key piece of that, learning to walk with him, was I started to learn to recognize his voice through his Holy Spirit daily. And that constant, continual counselor and guide, I started recognizing his voice everywhere else 
but it started by being equipped in knowing his written word. Because then I began to know how he speaks, who he is. I knew, I guess I discovered who he was before I learned how he speaks to me. And I discovered who he was by learning how to study and really dive into the Bible. And that was a huge piece of being equipped. And for me, that's what set up the R of the restored, the receptiveness that we talked about before. I developed the capacity to hear from God by diving into the written word. And that's how the equipped piece influenced the rest of the restoration from God in my life. So that's, that's what we're shooting for in, in this series, that experience. And we want to share different testimonies throughout the series uh, so that you can connect with, with other people's stories. Because we have a sense that as God's people, uh, it, it's more often than not uh, that we, we feel intimidated with this whole Christian life thing that we feel like there's more out there than maybe we personally have access to. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, man, I, I, I'm brand new at this church thing, I'm brand new at this Bible thing, I'm brand new at this God thing, and I don't know what to do next, it, and you're, maybe you're feeling like, uh, like you're all alone. We want some of these stories to speak into your life and, to, and to, if we could lower the shame factor, like you're not alone. That, that is normal. Even though from, from stages like this and pulpits high and low, whether they're big wooden or if they're bistro tables, that preachers have tended to, we don't want to be this kind of church, but preachers have tended to uh, tell us to do things, uh, raise the challenge for us, that we just don't know how to do. And, and my personality is, hey, yo, man, got no idea what to do next. I mean, I'm, I'm outspoken like that. And so I've tended to, since the beginning of my journey, to get more resources. But I'm, I'm weird. And my wife asked, do you know how weird I am? Ask my wife. I, I, I just, if, if I don't know how to do something, tell me how. I'm going to go figure it out. I'm going to grab some people, grab some books. Got a whole library full of stuff. I'm married to somebody who's not as much like that and who would tend to feel that inner conflict of, I just don't know what to do next. If you feel that way, I want you to know that we as a staff and Brian as a senior leader, the conversations that we're having behind closed doors are about you, not about you as in about you, but about you as in we exist as leaders, to take you through the next steps of becoming what Jesus declared over you, of having access to the things that would empower you. Like that's why we exist. We don't, we don't exist just to sing songs and pray prayers and do the whole Sunday thing well. We exist. We're in this room together because we're on a journey together. And that journey has to do with the mile markers and the reward that Jesus says we can live life to the fullest. And God, through Scripture, says, I want to speak to you. I want to lead you. I want to give you great things. 
We as a, as a church exist together. We as an eldership, as a leadership, like the thing, not one of the things, but the thing that God has for us to do is to help you achieve, get, possess. The word in scripture and the word for today will be equip you. So that along the way you'll sense and feel and know where you're going and not be confused. But to be clear and empowered. Not all, that's neat. I, th- I think that's neat. And as a staff, we've been over this past year, uh, we, we, t- we took the time before we knew COVID was going to happen. Uh, we decided, and as Grace family, we decided to take a step back and uh, ask God to really clarify uh, each of the campus's visions, if you're a guest with us, you, you may not know that uh, Grace Monroe is a part of a family of churches across Atlanta and even in D.C. We have some uh, missionaries around the world that call Grace their home as well. This is a big thing, big thing from a little town. We're part of something really, really special and unique. But we as, as Grace churches and leadership took a step back. If you had asked me if, if the year of COVID would have been a great time to revision, I would have said, no way, man, there's too much going on. But it, thank God he doesn't rely on my wisdom. Brian's response was completely different. It normally is. It's like crisis is the best time. I loved his leadership in, in this year that, that this could be, God could do something unique. And what ended up being the case was because we had more time, or different kind of time, we were able to press in a little more. And because crisis caused us to feel a little bit more confused, we were more willing to kind of clean the slate, to start from a blank board and let God just speak a fresh thing to us. Out of that, if you were here last week, you'll remember, came what, we call it different things, it's our 2020 vision, but it's the big five for 25, Five, the five things that we're shooting for that we, we believe, and if, if you want to get with Brian, get with myself, get with any one of the staff members, it, we, could, we can convince you that this was a word from God. This is, this is an, an anointed uh, vision from God. The big five for 25, you know, the, the one, 10, Hundred thousand, ten thousand, like it's it, that that exponential growth of one church plant. That within five years, we'll be launching a church because we believe that that's in our DNA and that's what God has called us to. That we'll be in all of the schools in this area, ten schools, not just in them, but we will have uh, we will we'll be missionaries sent out from this church into the schools taking those places for Christ as his territory, living 100% into this campus. All of the buildings have, have special God-ordained missional visions behind those. That God has something. These aren't just buildings. We believe God gave us every square inch of this campus he's given us as, as mission training centers and launching pads to change this community and change this world. The big one that we, we stepped back a few weeks ago, that a thousand leaders, and if you look around this room, within five years, we'll have a thousand leaders. If you look around this room, you might think there aren't a thousand people here. Amen to that, but you are the beginning of that. We consider each one of you 
sense that God has, has called us to see one another as leaders in our own right and from you to spread uh, and, and, uh, and replicate leadership around this city and around the world. And then finally, 10,000 restoration stories that we want to gather and celebrate. So all that's, that, we landed on that. We believe that that's God-ordained. But m- the most exciting part of the vision development process for me was the clarification uh, around the language that, that is a purpose for this series of what does a Grace Monroe disciple look like? Do we know disciple, disciple is a follower of Jesus, but if, if a, a person is a follower of Jesus that, that comes from this place, comes into this auditorium and dwells amongst us, rubs shoulders, if you rub shoulders with us, what's going to rub off on you, right? That if you spend some time with us, this is what you're going to walk away with and what you're going to walk away as. We have a particular unique bend in our discipleship. And that if we're intentional about it and really, really let God speak and work through and program and develop through us, that we can be intentional about that discipleship transferring to you and from you to other people. The, the God-ordained gift and once again, this comes back to Brian's, uh, his vision. Uh, as we talked about, restore was a constant uh, word that came up throughout the vision process. And, and Brian came back with this, uh, I, this belief, this sense that God was calling restored to be the acronym through which we declare this is what a Grace Monroe disciple is. So we're taking each one of those letters. Last week was receiving, receiver, received. Yes, receptive, boom. (laughs) I'm not an English major in any way. I'm a theologian, okay? Receptive, the second part of receptive, one who receives the call of God, who senses God's direction, Part B of that is today's lesson on being equipped in and with the Word of God. So one who says, I I hear the voice of God in my private prayers. God speaks to me. My follow-up question, having been at this for a little while, is how much time do you spend in the Bible? And if they say, I don't spend much time in the Bible, I'm not really a Bible person, then I have some real questions and concerns because God begins or began speaking to us. He spent a lot of time, historically, 1,500 years in compiling the Bible. It was written over a 1,500-year period through lots of people, 40 different authors. God was very intentional about speaking in the Bible that should be the beginning place for us being receptive, for us hearing God. That would be the thing by which we would test every word we believe God is speaking to us, would be the Bible. And yet, over the past, I think I've been, I taught, I was doing the math, I taught my first Bible lesson 29 years ago, and uh, 
since then, over the past 30 years in some sort of ministry, 25 in, in, in full-time ministry, like the Bible I've, I've realized the most misunderstood, famous, most, everybody has a Bible. It's the most famous book, but most famously misunderstood, misquoted, misplaced, misused, that it's relegated to a place of decoration in most homes. Not yours, of course. Other people. And yet, I've sat bedside in living rooms and crisis and, and opportunity, and so many people, I've heard, I've heard more often than anything else, I wish God would just speak to me. Like, there's this confusion. We have this book that we don't know what to do with, and this desire for God to speak and lead us. The, the picture that came to my mind when I was thinking about it was the, I don't know if you're into reality series, but I feel like Christians in today's world are like this, the, the survivalist uh, 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 series that it, uh, they're, we're, we're dropped onto this earth and the way the survivor uh, series work, they're, they're dropped with only the clothes on their back and sometimes the best ones, they don't even have that, right? They don't have anything, maybe a little bit of clothing. And they're supposed to kind of just make it for a period of time. If they can just, that's why they call them survive. If they can just survive, then may have some sort of victory there. Our favorite years back with the kids that we watched was called Man, Woman, Wild. And uh, the, the, the kids probably know where I'm going with this. With the Man, Woman, Wild, it was, uh, you, you knew that it, it was the, the last commercial in the, the day's show. They've done everything. They're barely making it. And uh, this husband and wife, when they have to drink their own urine, you know, man, they're either going to have to send in a chopper to get them out or, uh, or something really big is going to happen. You know, daddy's going to figure it out. There was always that. And I, I feel like in interacting with Christians as a leader, with all of us regular folk, that, that we don't quite know how to go beyond just surviving and get what God wants to give us. It's a promise that we talk about from stages. Is that God has great things for you, life to the fullest. And yet, well, there's something, this feels like there's something missing. And I, I sympathize with that. I, I do. We as, a, as leaders, I, I think we all we sympathize because the Bible seems big and it's, it really is, can be intimidating. So I do sympathize. But if you, if you open your Bible just a little bit, what you'll realize, the stories that you'll hear are people who experienced great clarity and intimacy from our Creator. It's again and again and again, the story bears out that God does want us to have direction. He does want to speak directly to us. He wants us to be guided, shepherded, cared for, grown. And the word for today is equipped. He wants us to have an equipped, guided journey. So think about Adam and Eve walked in the garden. We've written songs about this, old, beautiful songs. I walked in the garden alone. 
Even Cain, their kiddo, who was a punk, when he was about to kill his brother, God's speaking to him. Right? So it's not just like moral awesomeness, but even, the, even this guy. that you, You've got folks that receive promises from God, that have dreams about God. The book of Genesis ends with, on mountaintops, in valleys, in bushes. That's a Moses picture. Right? In songs and fields where David plays his little harp and receives messages from God. You might be tempted to think, though, that these guys were just special. Like they had something, and maybe it was a period of time. That's why I love the, the history of the Bible, that it was written over such a long period of time, because it does kind of take away that God only spoke then. Only then? You know, nearly, nearly two millennia? Shouldn't at some point we consider that God, if he spoke for so long, that, he, that he's always going to speak, that God, our creator, was a communicator, was intimately ingrained in the lives of the people who followed him. And then we call out, he speaks back. That, that, that's, the, that's the story. And that longing that you have to, to hear God now is a, is a right longing. Perhaps it's not that they were special, but that they knew something we don't know. They believed something that we don't believe. That they, they had access to something that maybe, if we had access to, could change everything. So Marina and I were first married. I've been teaching the Bible for a couple of years. As a kid, I was a little rascal. Uh, we went to a church, an inner city church in Lubbock, Texas, that was mostly African American, and uh, a great uh, pastor took me under his wing. I taught a Bible class, and I'm sure I just biffed the whole thing up, and he was kind. But he pulled me aside and said, let's, let's go have breakfast. I want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, I'm in trouble again. He says, uh, over breakfast, he says, why do you preach? Why do you teach? What's, what's the thing? that you're doing when you preach and teach. I said, well, I don't know. I want to tell people about God. Awesome. So I want to engage people in the story of God. Amazing. So as he, I've got things like that stuck him out. He says, so basically, education and entertainment. Information and entertainment. Said, yes. He says, I want to change the way you see your place as a teacher and as a preacher, as a leader. He says, people, when they come to God, come to a closed door. He said, you, you've spent some time. You have the keys. And you have two choices as a teacher. You can either spend your whole life unlocking the door, showing people, closing the door, unlocking the door, closing the door. You can either do that. Or your singular goal as a leader can be to give people the keys. Like if you don't do anything else, whatever information, that ever, the singular thing you're doing is giving them the keys so that when they leave the auditorium, the classroom, the field, or wherever it is, the sanctuary, that they go home and they have the keys. That the door to the presence of God and the knowledge of God will never be closed and locked to them again. 
And then challenge them to go home in their marriages and with their children and in their workplaces and in their desire to be directed by God to use those keys. That's, and that changed me. I, I remember like, oh. because that was Peter's, that was the disciples' experience with Jesus. When you read the Gospels, when we do, the really cool thing is Jesus taught a lot of lessons to the disciples, but in almost all of those lessons, you get a sense that it's not just he's teaching, giving them information, but he, he's giving them, when, very literally, he, doesn't he tell Peter and the rest of the apostles, like, I'm giving you the keys, here they are, like he's empowering them to interact with God on their own, and you might think, oh, that was the apostles. In fact, when Jesus is about to die, he tells, he tells the disciples, and Peter hears this in John chapter 14, verse 26. I've spent all this time with you. I'm leaving, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of everything I've taught you and teach you all things and give you the words to speak. And if you haven't gathered this already, that same spirit that was in Peter is in you. You have the Holy Spirit. And we as leaders, we as, as Christians, don't we, shouldn't we declare and say, if, if he had the spirit, I have the spirit, that the spirit can do, can unlock those doors for us. Years later, after preaching and leading and planting and all these great things, Peter would write in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, He's writing to the masses of people, to people like you and me. He says, God's power, his divine power has granted us everything that we need for life and for godliness. His divine power has granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Listen to the tenses. Has granted to us. Let's soak on that for just a second. His divine power has already given you everything. You just need, we just need the key to unlock the door, right? We just need the key. A couple of years back, I... Uh, I got a chance to do some marketing for a, a plumbing company. I was working for a marketing company, so I had different clients. And, uh, but one of the, the coolest clients was this plumbing company called Plum Crazy Plumbing. It's awesome. And I realized that I didn't know anything about plumbing. And uh, so I thought, if I'm going to write blogs and, and uh, market these guys, I need to learn some more. And the boss of the plumbing company said as much. I'd written a few things, and he's like, you, know, you have no idea what you're saying. You sound like an idiot, and you're making us look dumb. So I said, hey, I'm going to go follow the plumbers around and uh, kind of learn a little bit about it. One of the things I learned is that it's, this, is a, this is a case whether you're a, a contractor of any sort, and probably with, in uh, electrical engineering, whatever your specialty is, you can tell a lot about the plumber. You can tell everything about the plumber by the tools in their toolbox or in their truck. Like the, the, the novice, the new dude, had very few tools and could do very little. 
or to work harder to do the thing that needed to be done. The, the master plumber, though, had high-tech tools. They'd invested the time energy. They knew how to use those tools. And those tools gave them the ability to work more precisely, to work faster, to, to dig deeper, right? And to do things that your regular guy couldn't do. Whereas, you know, your, your regular guy, I have my Bible in here, spends most of this is me whenever I'm doing a, uh, a project at home. I spend more time looking for a tool that I don't have, clanking through, than I actually do doing the thing that needs to be done. Pertaining to us, though, the, uh, we rolled up on a house one afternoon, and uh, the, uh, the owner of the home had called and said, hey, I've got a, a leak in my backyard, poop everywhere. Awesome. He said, I've already looked for it, but I've come to the end of my rope, and I, I, I need plumbers to come. When we came into the backyard, it looked like this guy had been searching for a buried treasure. He had dug holes of varying depths all over his backyard. I mean, they were everywhere. He had ruined his landscaping. It was never going to be the same, but it was hilarious. We signed the contract. The master plumber that I was with goes to his truck, grabs a sonar uh, pipe locator with a depth indicator. Comes out and within five minutes has marked the location of the pipe has tracked it across the backyard, has indicated where the flow problem was, and knew exactly how deep he needed to dig. And then, of course, $10,000 later, <laughs> took all that knowledge and brought it to bear. The right tools give us the ability to go deeper, faster, with more precision, to get something that otherwise we wouldn't know how to get. That, I think, is what Peter, or is what Paul had in mind when he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Peter says everything we need for life and godliness has been granted to has been. Paul, writing to young Timothy, who was a, a church planter, worked with him in planting the church at Ephesus. He's a theologian. Man, he had walked with Paul, knew, man, he was a great guy. Had been reading the Bible, it says, just before that, since he was a kid, his grandmother brought him, Lois was her name, brought him to Christ and had been studying the Bible with him all along. And yet Paul reminds him of the nature of the Bible. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I've been a Christian for a really long time, I'm a little embarrassed that I don't know how to use the Bible, don't be. Paul didn't assume that Timothy knew that he had the tools to engage the Bible in the way that God wanted to get what God wanted him to have. He did not assume. Can we take the shame down just a little bit and say, okay. Paul says to, Tim to Timothy, all Scripture is God breathes, breathed out by God and is useful for correcting reproving and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be equipped. This is the purpose of God. So that we may be equipped for every good work. 
that, that's under there. God has that for us. Everything we need for life and godliness. That the word of God is breathed out to us and is useful so that everything that God wants us to do will be equipped for. That's under the surface. I'm telling you though, brothers and sisters, we may spend our whole lives digging holes in our backyard and never find that without some help. Can I hear amen? Like you feel that way? I, I, I know I've said, and I've felt that way, but I've sat with a lot of people that like you, they never got the treasure, not really. But if you, can, can we just declare it's there, but that the heart and spirit of, of the leaders here at Grace in the goal of, of become, becoming restored restorers. That the second mark, and we as a leadership are leaning into this, that we believe, put the shovel down, that we'd like to come alongside you with keys, tools, to give and work on some resources together that, that will help us as moms and dads and single folks and married folks and all of us who are disciples of Christ in this place, that we would have the ability to go deeper, faster, and with more precision, that we would hear God and in his word be equipped to access what Peter says, the knowledge of him who called us according to his own glory and excellence. We'd have that on our mountaintops and in our valleys. Just as Brian said last week, we're working on some resources. We don't know. We've called our classes core classes in the past. Brian and I were tossing it around. Do we call them core classes? This is more than a class. The, the things that, that, that we're going to land on, that we are landing on, and listening prayer, hearing God, uh, unique, and, and in this case, uh, connecting with Scripture. The 40,000-foot view of the Bible down to the front door. 40,000 right to your front door. That, that we would take some time, all of us at some point in our journey with Christ, that we would become master disciples with the tool of the Bible. As I'm coming down, I want you to receive that. That the Bible would be something you feel, believe, that you have a mastery of. Not that you know everything but that you have the tool to, to dig out precisely what God has for you. And if you believe that you're already there, at some point we want you to sign up for the class and come anyway, because maybe you have something to share to us. But if, if your engagement of the Bible is something that is intimidating, frightening, embarrassing, confusing, 
we would love, we're going to have a chance to sign up in the next few weeks. We would love for you to come and be a part of a resource that, that will give you the keys to unlock the door. Deeper, faster, and more precisely. Brian's going to share another thing with you because we're committed to this thing of, of knowing God in Scripture. God, through the Spirit, spent all this time delivering the Bible to us. That uh, During Lenten, that starts next week, if you can believe that, as we're, as we're beginning, the, as we're rounding the corner to Easter, uh, that it, it, normally during this season, we'll spend 40 days giving something up. Thank Brian, thank you for not making us fast again, not, not, not leading us in the beauty of a fast again. I love you, man. <laughs> rather than, in, you, in your own walk with, with Christ, choose to give something up. Awesome, you can do that. But we're going to lean into uh, 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 getting something or gaining something during this Lenten journey which is going to be a 40-day intensive reading of the Bible. Brian's going to share more about this in just a minute. From the book of John through Revelation, that we're going to, as a, as a, a, a church family, that we're going to take this journey together, which is going to be fun. It'll be fun to share experiences, to share successes, and failures, confusions, and clarity. But if you would, as we enter into worship, I'd like to pray a, a prayer of clarity over over all of us. And can, would you join me on your feet? This is something that as, as, a, as a leader and as a, as a teacher for the past years, I just have a tremendous passion for uh, that God has for you. He has a word from the Bible that he wants to speak to you, that you have this resource in Scripture that, it, that if you'll let him, will guide and change your life. And so I'd like to pray, I'd like to pray over us. God, is, as we receive this message, would you, would you tantalize our spirits? Would you just stir in us some level of excitement that maybe the Bible has more than we dreamed it had for us, that it, that it possesses a, a, a truth, that it, through your breath, would give us access to your mind and heart, that you might want to feed us in the Bible and lead us through it. Would you just raise that excitement in us? And I pray that your Holy Spirit even now would descend on this place, on our minds and our hearts, and would begin to, to unlock the door to your mind and heart that you would give us through your Spirit access to the depths of your wisdom and knowledge. Would you guide us? Would you commit us to be master students of the breath of God, of the Bible. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening. Once again, our mission at Grace Monroe is to pursue God's heart for the restoration of all things. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, go to graceformonroe.com connect. Also, if you felt blessed by our ministry and want to partner with us financially, everything you need to know about giving is online at graceformonroe.com give. We hope you have a wonderful week. Be blessed.